WEEI Studios, the home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And now, a Boston original on Boston Sports Original. It's Christian Arcan on WEEI. Hour number two here, Sports Radio WEEI. It's Arcan taking you up until three o'clock. Short show today. We got the Army Navy game coming your way. Uh, therefore, I'm getting preempted for that. Um, should be a good one, I guess. I don't know. Again, not Lee Corso over here. I will say this: someone who grew up in Massachusetts and the college I went to is the worst college football team in the country. So bad they had to hire Deion Sanders. I, I got to tell you, I don't I say the Holy Cross is playing right now, I think, right? That's something. They're tied with uh, San Diego State. Holy Cross, 12-0 this year. Good for them. And good for uh, Morocco. Beat Portugal. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Mac Jones today. As uh, he had some interesting comments this week. Talking about the offense and... You know, sort of a continuation, I would say, from some of those, uh, from some of the stuff we saw on the sidelines. And uh, Stiz, I don't know if you have this, but um, he was asked about scoring points, and he sort of made this weird kind of point about not focusing on the outcome of certain plays. And I remember I was listening to it. I was listening to it with Ryan. We were sort of before the show, going over some of the audio and going over the press conference. And just listen to what Max says here. Mac, what do you feel like you guys do well as an offense? Yeah, I think um, I think we have guys that play together, um, which is important. We play for one another, and when we do that, and everyone does their job, then you know we can do whatever we want. Um, we got to be able to, like I always say, run whatever plays, whenever, however we want to run them, and that's the job as players. And we can do a better job of that, and. Um, we're just striving for that every day in practice. Is- all right, hold on a second there, Stiz, because that's a pretty typical Mac Jones answer. You know, a player's got to be better, and we all try and be better, and uh, everybody's got to get better. Very Patriot-like. Very Patriot-like, very Mac Jones-like. Listen to the turn that this answer takes. Being able to run it when we want to run it. Being able to play action when we want to play action. Throw when we want to throw. Um, just be able to dictate whatever we want to do on our terms. Um, and that's important as an offense. Um, and obviously, be aggressive and, and attack and... Um, score points. I think that's what we need to improve on, and that that comes with not focusing on scoring points. Hold on, you gotta- hold on, hold on, hold on. We want to score points, and that comes with not focusing on scoring points. Maybe focus on scoring points. Just you know, like if that's been the plan, well, let's not focus on scoring points. Okay. That hasn't worked, <laughs> so now maybe let's try an added emphasis. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe zeroing in a little bit on the whole scoring points thing because I feel like that's been kind of an issue this year. And I don't know if this laissez-faire kind of, eh, you know, <laughs> Mego said this the other day. It's like when you're single and they're like, you know, you'll find the perfect person when you're not looking for it. <laughs> like, you know, you'll get in the end zone when you're not trying to score a touchdown. Is that right? Is that even a thing? Like, I feel like you should be trying to get in the end zone. I feel like that should be the ultimate goal. You should be focused heavily on that. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I didn't play football that long. Uh, Fourier and Wiggy and those guys could maybe uh, help me out a little bit here. But I sort of feel like that's a that's a pretty big part of it. It's a pretty important thing. Um, 
scoring points by not trying to score a point. Keep going, man. That, that comes with not focusing on scoring points. Okay. You kind of have to, all right, this is the play. Execute the play and don't put a result on it. Just do the best you can. And um, if I'm supposed to throw it here, throw it there as best I can. And then eventually you have, you know, seven, eight plays. You get closer to the end zone. And, you know, when you get down there, it's the same thing. A play is a play, regardless of third down, red zone, doesn't matter. So that's the biggest thing that we're right, working on right now. It's this, please. <laughs> Doesn't this sound like the stuff you say in minicamp? Doesn't this sound like preseason stuff? Well, yeah, then we run a couple of play, you get seven or eight play, you get into the red zone, that's how we did. Yeah, yeah, right. Like that's what you're that's what you rehearse, you know, that's what the walkthroughs are in like game three, the big dress rehearsal preseason game. Not week fourteen. It's week fourteen, and we're still hearing this stuff. Ah, well, you can't. You got to try to score points. I know we're all trying to score points. We want to see you score points, Mac. Uh, you know, like this. This is. This sounds to me like like really early in the season type of talk, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Like, I can't. I can't listen to that and, and feel good about the offense. I, I just. I can't. I. I can't hear it. I don't know. I, I after that Minnesota game, I really started thinking. Wow, things are different now. Things are starting to change with this team. Maybe now we can see the real Mac Jones, and we can see this real offense, and maybe, hey, even Matt Patricia wasn't so bad. I, I know. I was crazy enough to say that two weeks ago. But, you know, like hearing that, and I listen, I, I'm not a Mac hater. I know people think I am, but I'm not. I like Mac, and I want to see him succeed, and I think that he's gotten the bum deal this year. I believe all those things. But I also think that those are the words of a guy who doesn't know what else to say. You know? What else do you want me to say here, people? You're seeing it. We're trying. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try getting to the red zone and just, you know, whatever. We're not trying to score a touchdown. We'll see if that works. We'll Costanza the whole thing. You know? He's trying to get fired. <laughs> He's either, you know, do the opposite of whatever you think is going to happen. Let's try not to score. I mean, you know, like what, what else could you possibly attribute it to at this point? I was looking up some stats the other day for uh, for the show, and something jumped out to me that really bothered me. And uh, it'll probably bother you, so I'm going to share it with you and ruin your day. You ready for this? Um, on ESPN, you can go to, like, a player's page. You know, like, if you go to Mac Jones's page, it'll give you all his stats, and then it says, like, projected stats for the year, and it sort of takes what he's done so far and projects it for a full season. And right now, Max projections, which have actually gotten substantially better since I last looked at this. Uh, I last looked at this like three weeks ago, and it was pretty ugly. Um, this is a major improvement from three weeks ago. So Max projections for this year, 68.1 completion percentage, 2,781 yards, 10 touchdowns, 10 picks, 87 rating. That's his projections for the year, and I know he missed a couple of games, so bear with me. But I'm going to give you a stat line of another quarterback. Actually, I'm not even going to do that. I'm just going to tell you. Cam Newton in 22. I'm not going to be coy here, okay? We're not, I'm not playing games with you. I'm just giving you the numbers. Cam Newton in 2020. 66 percentage, 2,657 yards, 8 touchdowns, 10 picks, 83 rating. Not exactly the same. Fewer touchdowns, ratings a little lower. Uh, completion percentage slightly lower, like th- two points lower. About, you know, 100 fewer yards. But way too close. Way, way too close to the stat lines of Cam Newton in 2020. 
That doesn't necessarily mean anything, by the way. It's what he's projected for right now. It changes after every game. You know, after uh, the next game, if he has four touchdowns, then that's going to factor into the percentage, and that's going to spit out a different projection. But right now, here today on, you know, December 10th, year of our Lord, Max projected to finish the season right in the Cam Newton ballpark and without the 12 or whatever rushing touchdowns that he had either, okay? And I say all that to say that I don't think Mac Jones turned into Cam Newton over the course of one season. I don't think that that happened. I don't think that Cam Newton, excuse me, Mac Jones, uh, lost his ability to read a defense, lost his ability to make throws that we all clearly saw last year and were impressed with. I don't think all that happened in the course of one offseason. I just I don't believe it. I think that this team, through a combination of coaching and changing the offense, has reduced Mac Jones to this kind of stat line. And when you think of the Cam Newton stat line, I mean, you got to go to Hugh Millen and some of these other dark ages quarterbacks with the Patriots to get to stat lines like that. And that's not what Mac Jones is. I don't believe that that's what Mac Jones is. I believe Mac Jones is substantially better than those names I just gave you. Substantially better than them. I don't know if he's going to get a chance to to prove it, though, with the way things are going. I think whatever they're trying to do, whatever they're trying to shoehorn in here, is uh, at this point not salvageable. And I just, I, my fear is that that might extend to the player himself. And if that's the case, what a tremendous waste. And for what? What was the point? Like, what was the ultimate uh, best outcome you thought could even happen in, in this case with a second-year quarterback and a new offensive coordinator? And not just any offensive coordinator. By the way, there's no offensive coordinator for being technical, but guys calling the plays for the first time doing this sort of thing and this level on that scale with your second-year quarterback, which I know is a refrain we've heard a few times now. But it gets a lot more real when you look down at the Cam Newton 2020 line and the Mac Jones projection and realize how close they are. That is, that was startling. I I gasped when I saw that. Uh, 617-779-7937, that's the phone number. Tom King of the Nashua Telegraph uh, set to join us in the next segment. Also... We got to get to Vance Joseph, who is the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, and uh, not a particularly good one either. Not a not a great uh, defensive coordinator. That is a pretty lousy defensive team. But as lousy as they are, and uh, as uh, little room as they really have to talk any smack, Vance Joseph was out there letting it fly like Gary Payton. I mean, he was he was letting it go. And he had some things to say about the Patriots offense, which we will get to right after this trending. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Patriots had their final practice today before their Monday night matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. Four Patriots not there. Uh, they are Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, Jalen Mills, and Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown, Yadney Kajust practice but were limited for Arizona DeAndre Hopkins a full participant he missed Thursday with an illness Byron Murphy Rondell Moore Sean Coward absent Tristan Hill Charles Washington were limited speaking of Arizona the Coyotes a shocking upset of the Bruins last night 
four to three, your final score. Lawson Cruz scored the game winner with 13 seconds left in regulation. His second goal of the game. There was a controversial non-icing at the end uh, of regulation right before that goal. Bruins will end their road trip tomorrow night in Vegas against old friend Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights. Puck drops at 8 o'clock. It's an NBA Finals rematch tonight. Celtics taking on Steph Curry and the Warriors tip off at 8.30 out in the Bay Area. Al Horford still in health and safety protocols. Robert Williams also out, but head coach Joe Mazzula said that Williams is day-to-day for Golden State. Andrew Wiggins, Andrea Guadala not playing tonight. And the World Cup quarterfinals continue today. Morocco with a 1-0 upset of Portugal. England and France scoreless at the 15-minute mark of the first half. I'm Christian Arkan. That's what's trending now on WEEI and WEEI.com. We're back to Christian Arkan on WEEI. I see an offense that's uh, running the football well. You know, it's a very conservative pass game. You know, lots of screens, all kind of screens. It's like a defensive guy's calling offense. You know, he's <laughs> it's how a defensive guy will call offensive plays, right? You know, let's 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 not turn the ball over. Let's let's get four yards of play and you know try to burn clock. And that's what they're doing. Bill, yesterday uh, Vance Joseph described your offense as looking like a defensive guy is calling it. I'm not asking you to speak for him, but do you agree with the premise that an offense can operate as he described it? like a defensive coach would want, prioritizing time of possession and avoiding turnovers, more conservative stuff. Like whatever he said, he said, so ask him about it. We got ourselves an old-fashioned beef over here. Bill Belichick in one corner, Vance Joseph in the other. Three rounds. Four rounds, I don't know. Um, Yeah, Vance Joseph hitting them up. Looks like a defensive guy calling that offense. Well, yeah, it's because it is. It's because it is, Vance. Thanks. Christian Arkin here with you. Sports Radio WEEI taking you up until 3 o'clock. Uh, Tom King's going to join me here in about 10 minutes. Looking uh, looking forward to that. It's got to be a low point, right? Getting dissed by Vance Joseph. Like, I don't know if anyone told Vance Joseph, but, like, you suck too, man. Like, you know, <laughs> their offense isn't very good. Your defense blows. And he has no problem, uh, you know. Letting off a couple shots there. Uh, it's been a tough week for the Patriots. Getting hated on by Vance Joseph. Not a lot of pushback either. Um, you got flexed out of Monday Night Football. Ugh, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Going to move you over. Or not Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football. Flexed out. Going to put you at 4 o'clock. Well, it's not like it was an important game or anything. It's not like it was, oh, I don't know, the offensive coordinator who's now a head coach and took all the staff with him when he left and now is going to be facing his former mentor for the first time since that Denver game back in 2008. Oh, no, 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 no. No, uh, nothing, nothing serious there. No, uh, no underlying thing, you know, no, uh, no material there for the Sunday night football crew to really dig into with some montages and some good B-roll, you know, none of that. No, no, no. They decided, let's go ahead and get the get the commanders in there. You know, let's get an interesting team in there. Let's get a team that's not going to bore everybody to death. Uh, the Raiders, at least, you know, the Raiders got some interesting players. Like that schmuck who knocked the ball out of uh, <laughs> out of Baker Mayfield's hand. What was that? Did you see that? They're, they're running out of time. They sack him. Nine-yard loss, and he's handing the ball to the ref, and this Tillery bozo walks over and slaps it out of his hand right in front of the referee. Yeah, he that stopped. was wild. It's unbelievable. That was a nine-yard loss. Turns into a six-yard gain, and they stop the clock. <laughs> Good job. That was. I'll tell you what. 
I didn't think there was a dumber team than the Patriots out there. The Raiders might be that. And the Sunday night football producers were like, we can't put this crap on TV. We can't put these two idiot teams on TV. Everyone's going to turn the game off in the first quarter after the 500th stupid penalty. No one wants to watch this. No one wants to watch these idiots. Maybe not quite that strong, but you know what I mean. Uh, And there was also talk this week about, and more so than maybe there's ever been, other than one other time, and I'll tell you that in a second, uh, discussion of Bill Belichick's job security. That whole thing is alive. And it's not getting sort of poo-pooed anymore, you know? It's not like back in the, you know, years ago when you would say things like that, people would sort of be like, oh, hush, like hushing like a baby back to sleep. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not doing that. Like, okay, come on. Play a little lullaby and let's go back to sleep. Like, we're not, no one's firing Bill Belichick. Listen to Greg Bedard. People around the team, including some very good sources of mine who have never steered me wrong, are, have basically indicated that this Cardinals game on Monday night uh, with the Patriots going out for their West Coast swing is among, if not the most important game of Belichick's career post-Tom Brady. That wow. if the Patriots don't win this game, then I think there is a serious question about whether Belichick is the future head coach of this team. This is almost a must-win on Monday night against the Cardinals uh, as far as Belichick's concerned. And I think it's, you know, things have a chance to go off the rails. Wow. To quote Nick Cattles there, wow, indeed. Um, The last time that I heard people saying this much uh, fire Belichick talk, I was sitting in this exact chair. It was 2017, and it was after the uh, Eagles Super Bowl. I guess it was technically 2018, but it was, uh, you know what I mean? It was uh, that that uh, Malcolm Butler Super Bowl. And people were ripped. People were ripped after that game. I did, like, the overnight shit, you know? I was on from, uh, like, midnight to 6 a.m. just taking these angry, drunk people <laughs> yelling and screaming at me. And it was a lot of fire Belichick stuff, a lot of that. And uh, little did everyone know they would win another Super Bowl the next year. You know, like that all sort of happened and it died down a little bit. And now here we are a couple years later. And I feel like it's hotter than it was even then. Even then, you know, you had just won one in 2016. Could have had a three-peat, which would have been nice. But, you know, the big thing everyone was mad about is, oh, we didn't get our three-peat. Like, you know, I guess that's – you wouldn't know that yet, but that was really what it was all about. It wasn't – it's was a little bit – people called Patriots fans spoiled sometimes. You know, it sucks that he benched Malcolm Butler, but – to be calling for him to be fired right then, I think, was maybe a little spoiled. Now, though, now though, I think it's more on the table than it ever maybe has been before. Unless you believe that Bill has the job for life. And if you believe that, then there's no point in discussing it, and you probably don't want to hear this, but like, eventually you have to start making decisions for the future, don't you? Eventually you have to start planning for what the future is going to be like when he decides he doesn't want to do it anymore, even if that's your sort of belief, is that he should be allowed to do it as long as he wants. Okay, well, then eventually he's going to decide I don't want to do it anymore. And you have to be ready for what comes after that. Okay, so one way or another, I feel like all this, well, I don't want to talk about it. Ah, we can't discuss Bill Belichick not being the coach anymore. He's the coach for as long as he wants to be. Well, how much longer does he want to be, realistically? The way things are going right now, how many more years of this do you think he wants? Just to catch Shula? And do you think that the Crafts and everybody, all the fan base and everyone should be on board for that? You know, the team missing the playoffs, going 8-9 and nine or whatever, 7-10. and 10. Uh, But Bill sort of trudging towards Don Shula's record. Is that something that's, you know, going to get you on a 
spend money on season tickets and jerseys and all the other stuff that built Patriot Place. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't see that uh, being the, the way. But I don't know. Hey, <laughs> I'm just a, just a guy on the radio. But I will tell you this. Um, the talk is loud. It's not maybe something that's going to happen right away, but it's, it's, it's talk and it's loud. And this whole thing from Bedard about this particular game, I'll just say this. I don't think that it's necessarily the, the game and whether or not you beat the Cardinals in a vacuum is what they're talking about. And I'm sure that he did get this from a source that isn't trying to BS him. Um, but what I think it has more to do, this is just me speculating here, but what I think it may be uh, speaking to more is the fact that if you lose to the Cardinals, this is one of the few winnable games you have left on your schedule. You got this game, you got the Raiders, maybe the Bengals. I don't think a lot of people expect you to win that. No one expects you to beat Miami or Buffalo. Okay, so this is one of the few winnable games you have left on the schedule. And if you blow this one, especially to this team, who's four and eight, uh, then a lot of people are going to consider this season over, I think. Some people maybe already do. But if you lose to the Cardinals, a lot of people are going to say, all right, that's it. This team's not going anywhere. And there's going to be a tune-out factor. And I think that may be more what they're speaking to. But who knows? I'll tell you someone who might know. Uh, that would be the oldest man in the world. That's Tom King of the Nashua Telegraph, who joins us right now on the Harbor One Hotline. Mr. King, how you doing, sir? I'm trying to figure out a way to find out if I can retire as a San Diego Padre. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You know, the cost of tapioca these days isn't getting any cheaper. So, you know? I hear you, man. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. What's Good work if you can get it, world? isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no kidding, huh? Man, if I had only known, you know, 100 years ago, my God. Yeah. So. Um, what do you uh, what do you make of the of this uh, report here from Bedard and some of the odds uh, that hasn't been just been him um, really the uh, the heating up of the of the narrative that Bill Belichick's job may be in some kind of jeopardy here. Well, when you lose two games in a row on national TV, that's that's what's going to happen, right? You know, when you have the team that 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 has the offense that it has, and and. I'm not surprised that you start to hear all the rumblings and everything else. And then when they win two in a row, if they do that on this West Coast, which I think they – not, not West Coast, but on this Western trip, which I think they really should do, um, then I think you won't hear, hear much more of that talk. Um, now, coming into the season, I think depending on how it turns out, especially if the Patriots just don't progress and – and either miss the playoffs outright or, or again, lose a, lose their first playoff game. I think the Crafts will probably sit down with Belichick as, as maybe they always do and, and say, okay, what, what do we got going on here? Uh, you know, what's the future looking like? Now, the reason they, they did what they've done offensively is, is, and I buy into this theory, is that, that you know, let, let's face it, coaches have been leaving here right and left over the last four or five years. So Belichick put the offense in the hands of two people he knows that, that probably aren't going to leave very soon. Yeah, because no one's going to want them. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but, 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 and that's what he did and figured that the continuity would help and the simplification would help and everything else. Well, it's backfired. It's obviously backfired at least to, to some point. Um, but uh, it all came to a awful head on Thursday night, you know, against, against the bills and uh it's that's not good and it's not good to be that boring and that embarrassing embarrassing you know just in terms of how boring they were i think you really want embarrassing that would have been the playoff game against buffalo last year but uh on national tv you know ownership doesn't like that that sort of thing so 
going forward, I think the Patriots will need to, you know, there's going to have to be some spark somewhere. Uh, uh, with the player unrest and everything else, you'd hope that that was addressed. You would hope that they said, okay, sat down and said, okay, what do you want to see here? Now, in terms of all the play calling and all the offense, and, you know, and, and asking him about the offense, is Bill Belichick really going to knock what his assistant coaches are doing right now? No, he's not going to do that publicly. So whether things are done behind the scenes or not, I don't know. We'll see a little bit on, you know, uh, on uh, Monday night whether or not uh, they've made any changes. But, of course, again, they do game plan for the opposition. They always do that. But I think uh, against that defense, Let's put it this way, Christian. Against that Arizona defense, if they don't put up some points, then there's really going to be a problem. The the noise is just going to get louder. That's why I buy into the fact that this really is a big game for what they're trying to do because if they can't score against that team, they're not going to score against anybody. The only way I could see that happening, King, is if – Mac doesn't get time to throw, and outside of J.J. Watt, it's not a particularly fearsome pass rush over there, right? Like, what else could right. what else could even happen? Like, how else could they could they stop him? That's just it. So, if all of a sudden it does turn out to be that way, then you know something's really wrong, right? Um, you know, the offensive line has has got a little bit to do with it this year. Uh, plus, the injuries to the offensive line, plus just the lack of 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 production and play. Um, you know, putting all your eggs in the Trent Brown basket uh, is, is not good. Brown had the year he had four or five years ago with New England because it was, he was a free agent. You know, I, I, I truly believe that. And he hasn't really been the same player since. Um, Isaiah Wynn is, is Isaiah Wynn. You, you take what you get, and he's not on the field half the time. So they, they definitely, you know, need to – uh, address that in the draft. I think they're going to have to draft. <laughs> People are going to be upset, but they're going to have to draft some offensive linemen and high up, you know, where, wherever they can get them in the draft coming up this, you know, in the off season. But, you know, again, they should put up points on, on, on I keep saying it Sunday night, on Monday night, uh, the same way they put up points against a secondary that was awful in Minnesota. Right. You know, so uh, given the opposition, that's that's what you should see. But uh, you can't embarrass yourself if you're if you're the Patriots, and if you're Bill Belichick, you can't see your team embarrass itself on national TV. The press will not like that. Um, let's say they win this game, and then even I'll give them the Raiders game too, because I think that's a winnable game by all means. Even though it got flexed out of prime time, <laughs> I do think that they can uh, certainly beat that team. Now all of a sudden you're eight and six. What what what's the best case scenario for the last three games? Well, they're all uh, well. The Cincinnati game is going to be a, is going to be a problem. Uh, my guess is they'll probably go nine and eight. That's that's my guess. Unless the Bills don't really need and they play their backups. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, that's the only thing in that last game. You know, that last game, and uh, you know. I do think that they can, even though Tua Tagliavone, whatever his name is. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I I, I really get tongue-tied with that name. How about Tagliavone? Yeah, unless Tua, (laughs) I think I just made myself a soundbite, didn't I? I think you did. Unless Tua is is, uh, on target like he usually is against the Patriots, I think that they can beat the Dolphins in Foxborough. 
where they usually do a lot of times because Miami just hasn't really played well against above, you know, average to above average competition. So uh, that's the wild card game right there. Uh, Cincinnati, I think they're going to have problems with, and uh, Buffalo, if Buffalo doesn't have to play their starters, I think they can, you know, that that's a, that's a question mark as well. Um, in the event that uh, this is a, and this is sort of where I am with this team. I mean, I think there's a narrow path to the playoffs, but I've already got one eye on on next season. Um, in in that vein, where do you start? You started talking about you know drafting offensive linemen. There's other there's other positions that need a major overhaul. And I Charlie Weiss this week was saying the main thing that Mac Jones needs is a big stud wide receiver, which I think yeah he could certainly use that. But if he has this offensive line, he's not the guy's not going to make it down the field to get the ball. Like you know, well, there's not going to be enough time for it. So is that is right. that the number one priority? Stocking the line back up. I, I think you've got to do something with that offensive line. You know, unless you know they're not going to have a top ten pick. And I haven't looked ahead, far ahead to see what what the what the draft year is for offensive linemen in terms of the quality and everything else that's coming out. So, but I I, I really do think, and they started that last year with Cole Strange, right? I mean, they started that, and I think they, you know, they're when you're drafted in the NFL, the Patriots rarely draft what they absolutely have to have to have. Um, they usually have an eye on the future, obviously, but, you know, and Mac Jones was there at 15. He needed a quarterback. You had to take him. Um, but my guess is uh, that's where they might go. I mean, I think in the draft in the first round, you're always in good shape if you draft the best available linemen on either side of the ball because, really, that's where games are won and lost. And if the Patriots can do that and fortify themselves up front, then – that that'll help out, but you're right. Mac Jones could have uh, you know a, a blazing receiver, and it won't make a difference if he doesn't have the time to throw. And we've seen this year where he hasn't had the time to throw. Uh, but again, it, something's way out of joint. Something's way out of whack here uh, for the quarterback to, to do what he did on the sideline for Bourne, who obviously is you know he's no favor to the coaching staff and probably vice versa um, to call it as he sees it. And then for, <laughs> and then for Vance Joseph to come out and say something, which I don't think he was trying to insult the Patriots. I think he was talking to the defensive coach to another defensive coach. Um, you know, for all those things to be said and done, you obviously have a problem and it has to be addressed. It, you know, it has to be rectified. And uh, we'll see if they can do that uh, the next two games. They're not playing – great defenses in these next two games. If Baker Mayfield can come out and all of a sudden on two days or a day of learning the plays, take his team 98 yards, then, you know, once the Patriots are done with Arizona, I don't think they're going to face a top-notch defense against the the Raiders. That's for sure. If Baker Mayfield on two days with the playbook can beat the Raiders and the Patriots can't? (laughs) Oh boy! Yeah, yeah, that's not gonna look. I'll tell you what, my show will be programmed all week. That's for sure. That's not. Oh, that's not gonna look good. That's not gonna look good. No, you know, and that's why I think that this this two game trip is. I mean, it's really, really important. Obviously, it is important, but I mean, it's it's important for a lot of reasons, not just the one loss. You know, they have to look good in these games. They really do. Um, is it, you know, uh, there was a reason they were flexed out of, out of, uh, Sunday night. And the reason was is how bad they looked 
on Thursday night against the Buffalo Bills. I think NBC had an eye on flexing this out anyway, but when they saw that, they said, yep, done, we're out, you know, and uh, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. At least it's not boring, right? No, it's not boring yet. I have a feeling after a couple weeks it's going (laughs) to – we might get there. And if they lose one of these next two games, it might get boring too. Uh, But anyway, that's uh, where we got to leave it. Tom King, thanks so much for the time today. Always great to talk with you. All right, Christian. Thanks for having me. All right, the great Tom King of the Nashua Telegraph. Been covering the Patriots forever. You can uh, check out his stuff, NashuaTelegraph.com. You can check him out on Twitter at Telegraph underscore Tom K. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, phone's open, 617-779-7937. When we come back, uh, quick touch on the Bruins and the Celtics and a lawsuit that was filed against a giant in the food industry. We'll get to all that next. Covering Boston sports and beyond. We're back to Christian Arcan on WEEI. Sports Radio WEEI, it's Arkan here. Got a few more minutes. If you want to chime in, you can do so at 617-779-7937. Pretty big Celtics game tonight, I would say. Celtics have been hot lately. They've won nine of their last ten. Or maybe eight of their last nine. And uh, could be nine of their last ten if they beat the Golden State Warriors tonight. NBA Finals rematch. Celtics are leading the league in a lot of different things, and they're favored tonight, too, by the way. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites uh, in San Francisco. And the Warriors haven't been having a great season. They've had some ups and downs so far this year. The Celtics has just been all ups, except for when they play either the Heat or the Bulls. Uh, other than that, they just dominate everyone all the time. Um, and the Warriors are good at home. They're 11-2 and two at home. Uh, but I just sort of feel like the Celtics are playing at a level right now where there's few teams that are like any match for them. Horford's not playing. Robert Williams, I believe, isn't playing, although both he and Joe Mazzulla were pretty getting pretty cute yesterday. Did you see that? They were asking him questions, and they were like, ha-ha, they're day-to-day. <laughs> like, as in, they might he might play tomorrow. That's what I uh, took away from that. It's probably just me, you know getting a little excited, but as excited as I am about Robert Williams coming back, I also have said this a few times. Have they missed him even a little bit? Have the Celtics missed Robert Williams at all? I thought they'd miss him a lot. I thought he was instrumental to the way they play defense and even in some ways the way they played offense, too. You know, Horford and him, two bigs, and one of the guys who can really finish lobs anywhere near the basket if uh, someone follows the ball carrier off the pick and roll. Like, that's that's something he was really good at. It was a a very um, high percentage part of their offense. And they haven't missed him a little bit, I don't even think. I think they'll get better when he gets back. I'm not saying, you know, they're going to get worse when he comes back. I just, I'm surprised how little they've missed him. I do want to say this. Uh, last week, or maybe the week before, I was talking with Josue Pavone, CLNS Media. And I asked him if he remembers another hot start that the Celtics had like this. And he immediately uh, remembered 08. And he was right about 08. That team got off to a 27-2 and start. They were ridiculous to start that year. It was the year after they won the championship. Um, And it was Garnett and Pierce and Allen and Rondo and everybody else. And they were a house on fire. They just, I mean, they wouldn't lose for the first couple months of the year. And what eventually happened was they made the play. They finished with, I think, 62 wins that year, 60-something wins. Uh, Garnett got hurt, and they got dunked right out of the playoffs by Dwight Howard and the Orlando Magic after they beat uh, Rose and the Bulls in the first round, I think that was. Yeah, they beat Rose, and they lost to Howard. 
And that Bull series was pretty good, too. Rondo versus Rose in that series was low-key. Like, that wasn't, like, a great season because of the way it ended. But that those two going at it, Rondo and Derrick Rose in 08, ooh. Ooh, it was good stuff. Um, but then they just, they were no match for Dwight Howard because Garnett wasn't playing. And I don't think that you have to worry about that sort of thing with this team because Garnett was much older that year. And, you know, they had the hangover of the championship from the year before, which they didn't have, but at least not to start the year, but then it eventually caught up to him at the end of the year. I mean, that happens with older teams a lot of the time too. The Celtics aren't an older team. Outside of Horford, I mean, they're a very young team. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd put that there. I don't know if I'd associate that that comparison, except to say this: Jalen Brown, kind of injury prone. Marcus Smart, kind of injury prone. Al Horford, injury prone. Robert Williams, injury prone. Now we've seen this team this year without Marcus Smart, without Al Horford, and without Robert Williams still continue to play at a very, very high level. But we've also seen Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum play most of the season, right? And we agree that they're playing at a level that's beyond what they've ever uh, achieved before, right? I mean, that's the other thing. I think that's not a coincidence. Those two guys playing at that level is the reason why the team's playing at the level that they are. And the team does have good depth. I think Brad Stevens has done a nice job with this roster, and I think that the depth on this team is evident. But you have it at certain spots, not all of them. You don't have a lot of depth on the wing, folks. I hate to tell you that. They tried to get it through the draft over the years. You know, Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, all those guys were gone now. Gone in trades that I think really helped the team, but also brought in the same kind of players. You know what I mean? You traded one guy for Derek White. You traded the other guy for Malcolm Brogdon. And I know there was more to those trades, but you get my you get what I'm saying. That was your depth at the wing position. And now you brought in two more point guards with that. Now you got four point guards. You got four point guards. You got three, four bigs. And outside of... Brown and Tatum, your other wings are Grant Williams and Sam Hauser. And no disrespect to those guys because I think they're both having good seasons, but you're going to count on that all year, especially if one of Brown or Tatum is out for any extended period of time. You know, that's sort of the only thing I can think of. And again, you know, I'm nitpicking because there's not, not many notes to give the Celtics right now. What notes do you have? Beat every single team all the time by 20 points. Like, I mean, they're basically doing that, you know, not sure what else you want. But uh, that's uh, that's the only thing I can really think of. They had, last year, the same kind of situation as this, only they got hot midway through the year. This year, they're starting off hot. That could be the only difference, and maybe that's not even going to be a thing. You know, maybe that won't matter. Maybe this is going to be one of those, you know, 73-win Golden State Warrior type of teams. I, You know, I listen, I mean, they've already lost five, so probably not, but... They're that kind of pedigree. You know, they're the way they've started this year is one of those all time team kind of starts. And uh, so far, they've handled it pretty well. And so far, I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have established themselves as the team, as the league's top duo. And that's considering a lot of other great duos in the league, including the one they're playing tonight. Uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the rest of the gang, 8 30 tonight. Uh, on ABC. Looking forward to watching that. Stay tuned. Got the Army-Navy game coming your way. I want to say thanks to Rob Bradford. want to say thanks to Tom King. Big thanks, of course, to Stiz, all the callers, and all my new Twitter followers. I'm Arkan. I'm out of here. I'll talk to you on Monday at 2 o'clock right here on Sports Radio WEI. Bye.